As a quick note before we get started, I was an idiot and recorded on the wrong microphone for the first 15 minutes, so it's going to sound a little off, but I promise you it gets better after that. Thanks for bearing with us through this little technical mistake of mine. All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast, the only show that guarantees you citizenship after listening. My name Would you is like John. to know more? Sorry, I kind of cut you off there. I'm Jack, Sergeant Jack. Sergeant Jack? You're damn right. How, how did you become Sergeant? Did you uh, accidentally I, kill somebody? or I played a lot of Starship Troopers Extermination, who, uh, who are not the sponsors of this video, but, you know, we're, we're open. They could be. I would like Starship Troopers Extermination to know that I do have a copy of her game. I just haven't played it yet because I'm not a part of the PC Master Race yet, so. Someday. It will be. That is, that is the hope. Yeah. Relatively, relatively soon, actually, I should be joining the uh, PC Master Race. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, this week was Starship Troopers. It was your choice, Jack. Uh-huh. And uh, what'd you think? I loved it. I just love this movie. See, a little brief story before I continue. This movie has a special place in my heart because it was homecoming week of senior year in high school. I originally was going to spend it partying. I really was. But my grandma was ill that week. So I decided to stay with her that entire week and take care of her. And four of the five times I turned the TV on that week, Starship Troopers was playing. And it, it was never from the beginning. No, it was from a, when it was already playing at random spots. But man. Is it like when you catch Forrest Gump on my... Uh, TNT or something. Exactly. You just, that's my stop everything and watch it movie is Starship Troopers. It's fair enough. I am honestly shocked that they turned this into a safer TV movie. I'm, I'm honestly shocked that this movie only got an R rating. I for sure, like when I went <laughs> to go re like do my little background research, I was like, this has to be an NC-17 movie with the amount of, like, violence and boobs. Just, like, I'm like, there's no way the MPA, MPP, what is the fucking acronym of this place that I can't remember? I want to say it's the MPAA. <clears throat> yeah, but, but the yeah, motion Association. I was like, by any metric, this should be an NC-17 movie with just the blatant over-the-top violence that we get from it. <laughs> but somehow they managed an R rating and somehow they were able to turn that R rating into a TV 14 so here we are <laughs> I mean I have, go ahead I was going to say I also have very distinct memories of uh, catching this on TV more than a time or two throughout my my youth so I think this might actually be the first time I've seen the non-TV version of it. Hmm. And did it hold up? Oh, absolutely. 
It's uh, mm-hmm. I I also agree. I think this is I think this is a terrific film. It's it's very ham fisted, but it's purposely made that way. I don't mind a film that is ham fisted or over the top or if just, it knows it is. Yeah, if that if if the goal of the film is specifically to be ridiculous, I'm cool with that. What I hate is when a film is trying to be serious and it comes out ridiculous. That's what bugs me. It's like when we were watching Wind Talkers and you have the opening scene where, you know, everybody dies and gets blown up. And, you know, you brought it up in the Wind Talkers episode where it was like one dude gets his hand cut off. And the only thing that results from that is the guy yelling out, oh, my hand. (laughs) (sighs) Which, to be fair, I don't think we see any. Oh. We see, we see uh, the Busey character was, he was Ace Levy, Levi? Was the yeah. character? <clears throat> Levy. Gary Busey's son takes a, <laughs> takes a knife to the hand. Busey Jr. Busey Jr. It's, a, it's, a, it's shocking that he retained absolutely zero of his dad's genetics or appearance. I mean, and, yeah. And by none, I mean he is a fucking clone of his dad. <laughs> you know, I there's a reason why Gary Busey is such an odd and distinct personality. And according to his family, it's because he was in a really bad motorcycle crash a couple decades ago. And he had brain damage. And apparently that's that's why he's kind of out there. I mean, that'll do it. You know what's my favorite Gary Busey film? Is uh, Rookie of the Year. Never seen it. He's a... Uh, the, the premise of the film is basically this kid gets into an accident which injures his arm and somehow turns him into this miracle freak of nature pitcher who can throw like 100 plus mile an hour pitches every single pitch and his mentor for the like he gets drafted like his 12 year old gets drafted to the chicago cubs (laughs) and his quote-unquote mentor is gary Busey. mentor what a great mentor but yeah but speaking of knife to the hand i think that i think this is probably where we should start the the film is the the whole training montage because I th- if I'm not mistaken this is our first true um, boot camp like full montage scene that we get out of a film which I know in war films is a very common and recurring uh, set piece but for us this is our our first one there there's kind of like that training scene in wind talkers right i mean yeah they did have a training sequence but it wasn't your typical boot camp of you know running around and doing an obstacle course and shooting guns and stuff like that like this is this is our first almost like direct correlation to something like full metal jacket you know Mm. where instead of arlie ermy we get mr (laughs) crabs 
Yep, Clancy Brown. Our first Clancy Brown movie. Rico, you are relieved of command. Mm-hmm. Like, really? That's that's all you have to say after someone dies on your watch, Mr. Krabs? Uh, fun fact, uh, that dude who got shot in the head and the girl who shot him in the head, those two are still are married in real life. Huh. They apparently met on the set of that movie. I wonder how how many uh, Hollywood marriages have occurred because of that kind of set piece. I thought I thought you were going to say I wonder how many marriages happened with Starship Troopers, and probably more than we'd think. Just the love of Starship Troopers. Yeah, it, it's truly the great uniter among humans against bugs. Well, I mean, you're either with the Federation or you're for the bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that works. They chuck rocks at us from outer space and destroy our Brazilian cities. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill all! Yeah! Rawr! Rawr! God, this Man, just, yeah. It is chock full of fantastic one-liners. I, it, I was going to bring that up. Like It is a meme farm. Especially the, uh, I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. That would have been our guest on today's episode if she answered the tweet that I tweeted at her. Well, but she's, no. probably, she's probably busy being a former Disney star with her 2,000 followers. You're right. She's too famous for us. I'm not going to sit here and talk shit on somebody who... I'm not going to say she's done more with her life, but also, like, she probably is much busier than we are, if we're being honest. What are you talking about? I'm all about staying busy, kind of. <clears throat> You're all about killing those uh, fictitious bugs. You know, that just, that kind of game just happens to find me. Where games where you play a sci-fi badass that kill alien bugs say deep rock galactic starship troopers extermination gears five they they just appeal to me i don't know why what i find interesting is the fact that so have you ever read the book starship troopers nope neither have i but i i went on a rabbit hole over the last couple days um just because obviously um, this movie, the source material is um, the book by Robert Heinlein um, of the same name, which to begin with, I find very interesting that when the screenplay for this movie was originally started, they didn't intend to have it as their source material. They were trying to come up with some independent sci-fi movie and somebody along the way was like, you know, this is shockingly a lot like this book. Why don't we just adapt it? And they're like, okay. And then <laughs> Paul Verhoeven, the director of this film, he tries to read the book. And in his own words, he's like, I just thought it was so boring. I didn't get past the second chapter. So I signed someone else to read it and then give me the spark notes on it, which, is, <laughs> which explains a lot as to why the 
it it loosely follows the the Starship Cooper book outline. A lot of crossover characters, themes, and all that stuff. But obviously, there's quite a few deviations. But the biggest deviation that I'm honestly kind of mad about is the lack of like exosuits, because Starship Trooper is the book more or less pioneered that idea for popular media. I mean, the the reason we have like if you were to take a look at one of the original covers for Starship Troopers and compared it to the cover of Fallout 4, it is remarkably similar. Um, it also, it's where we, like, uh, Alien gets their yeah. exosuit idea from this book. Um, the Future Warfare Call of Duty's got their ideas from this or was inspired by it. And uh, it's not until, like, the third sequel in this series that they finally bring it in. But, to be fair, they they spent an astronomical amount of their budget on CGI in this film. So I'm not surprised that they probably just ran out of money to be like, okay, we can't do the exosuits for the mobile infantry. Because they put so much into the, the bug animations. And what I will say is that for the 1990s, the the CGI of these bugs is just out of out of the park. Fantastic. Yeah, they and they killed it. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's like super stellar by today's standards, but it still holds up like really really well. Oh yeah, and speaking of like the influence this book has, for those of our listeners that are familiar with Warhammer 40k, they the power armor troopers inspired the space marines and that oh yeah i forgot about that and then since they didn't have it in the movie they i don't know i don't even know if they intended it or not but the soldiers ended up becoming more along the lines of the imperial guard which is a strange way of thinking about it. and obviously the alien bugs are tyranids the thing, so the thing that has always got me, even from like a young kid, is uh, one of the other things they change is obviously the arachnids stay as the primary enemy in this mo movie, but they change the kind of the appearance or the way that they operate. So they're they're still like space travel to them is done via like spores and stuff in this movie versus in the book if i remember correctly they're more uh i don't want to say humanoid but it's if i'm not mistaken it's almost like uh like a from bopulous michael from rick and morty type situation <laughs> oh boy here i go kill him again So, Paul Verhoeven, I, if I remember correctly, he purposely made that change because he thought, like, space bugs wielding guns was going to be goofy looking. And to be fair, his interpretation of the arachnids is, is truly terrifying. I mean, like, every battle sequence, you're just like, how in the fuck are they getting out of this? Um, yeah, it's just a swarm. So I do appreciate that. It's just the... When we get the scene of the arachnids have 
destroyed Buenos Aires. It's just like, how? With their fucking plasma shits from the massive bugs? Like, like it just, it never really made sense to me in that regard of like the, the arachnids being the ones going on the offensive. I totally get them infesting a planet. That makes more sense to me, but to actually stage and plan an attack that doesn't that doesn't sit with me also if i may that's something that that's something that the book does much better i think if i may interrupt you for a second uh you're coming in a little bit quiet now you kind of quieted down there how about now uh about the same try again So, listeners, FYI, uh, we had to take a brief break, and you might have noticed a change in quality between the audio. That is because I was an idiot for the first 15 minutes of this show. Um, We have since resolved the issue, but essentially, long story short, I was plugged into the wrong microphone. So hopefully this side of the podcast sounds better, and uh, we haven't lost too many people from the first section. But I'm getting back to our previous point. No, no, I haven't read the book because I can't read, as it, as you already know, and you keep rubbing in my face. You know they make audiobooks. I'm deaf. I can't listen to anything. You know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now I'm just being facetious. Yes, I can read. I just didn't get around to reading this one. I also sent you that link about what's the difference between the book and the um, movie uh did you yeah i texted it to you oh yeah cinefix Uh, what's the difference is a great series i watched a couple of other content creators and their takes on this particular movie verse book one is uh a great a great channel is a guy who does a series called lost in adaptation Mm. highly highly recommend it but um trying to think where do we go from here <laughs> but um the memes <laughs> a great so, segue as any so many great memes i'm doing my part i'm doing my part service guarantee citizenship would you like to know more the would you like to know more is honestly I know a lot of people have said that they don't care for that particular section of this movie or aspect of it, but I think it makes for a pretty clever cutscene when there's it really does when there's not another like real natural way to go from one place to another. I think it's I think it's a great way of doing world building while also giving the viewers a break from the primary characters for a moment. Like we we stay maintained on the primary characters. We don't really we don't really get those like side or backroom conversations. Like we never see his parents like argue in the bedroom when he's not there, or like we don't see a conversation between Zim and uh, Asac Schrader. I forgot his actual name, but yeah, no, um, it's Asac Schrader. Yeah, you killed Uncle Hank. <laughs> Mm. You just reminded me. What are you drinking tonight? 
I am drinking, so, because I didn't really think there was any particular drink that fit a theme <clears throat> for this movie, I went with tequila and fresco. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense to me. Not sure how, but it makes sense to me. I am drinking... For Buenos Aires. Yeah. I'm drinking Smirnoff Ice, the zesty orange screwdriver flavor. All right. I, uh... I'm not much of a screwdriver guy, but I do Love I do enjoy I do enjoy a Smirnoff from time to time, especially the like Fourth of July blue ones. You see, I'm in the I come from a household where we drink vodka Red Bulls and breakfast, vo straight vodka at lunch, and then wind down with a nice screwdriver for dinner. <laughs> we may have been alcoholics. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't actually do that, but that'd be hilarious if I did. Vodka Red Bulls got me through freshman year of college. You know, I didn't start drinking in college until the end of the sophomore year. I was. Uh, I uh, see. When you started dating was, your now wife. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, the one that corrupted me. Yep. That's how that works. She introduced you to sex, drugs, and alcohol and rock and roll. I didn't even do drugs in college. I was such a square. She introduced you to sex, booze, and rock and roll. <laughs> there. The, whole, <laughs> the, holy, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Trifecta. But, um... <clears throat> shit, where was I going with this? I, I actually had a continuation of the meme uh, conversation. Oh, so, the whole... Um, so, like, the PSA things, or would you like to learn more... Do you remember early on when they were kind of doing the world building stuff where they talked about they it was a very short just like one or two lines and it was um it was about mormons who went to mars to explore religious freedom from earth it, it was how they it wasn't mars it was like a small planet on the fringes of human territory okay but get but away get from the federation right but you get what i'm saying is they they do that mormons getting away from government for religious freedoms and whatnot and i think a lot of people probably would have missed that or probably would not have thought much of that especially in the 90s um because obviously in the 90s um there wasn't so much popular media about the Mormons, such as uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone's uh, Book of Mormon musical, or, you know, the various South Park episodes, um, as well as all of the, like, expose documentaries. Um, but that is actually, like, a very interesting and kind of hidden, his hidden aspect of American history in real life that... Um, you know, obviously there was the initial trek of Joseph Smith and his followers out to Utah where, you know, they ran into multiple troubles along the way. But I mean, a good chunk of the early Mormon church history involves them getting slaughtered by a whole lot of different groups of people because it's either you have, you know, ruffians in, you know, on you know lawless territories or you have western towns that are like what do you mean you don't believe in jesus the same way we do or 
or you have uh you know native tribes that aren't stoked on more encroachment of their original territories so i mean the the early church history for the mormons is very blood soaked and the fact that even in the year or the cent the the 23rd century this is still a thing it it kind of blows my mind or I, I just thought it was a an interesting tidbit that they added into this movie that a they recognized previous um persecution of this particular religion and it still exists even then this like quote unquote perfect future society mm-hmm. and also disclaimer i know previously i've i've stated that I'm I'm a religious I'm a religious individual. Uh, Mormonism is not my religion. Uh, I don't hold anything against them, but also I, I don't want anybody to to think I'm batting either way for that group of people. I'm a I'm a strong believer in do your own thing. So there's your PSA of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I neither I neither hate nor like the Mormons. So there you go. But and um i was just looking at a theory for this movie well multiple theories on the asteroid itself like one of the more popular fan theories is that a the asteroid was just a random act of nature or b more sinisterly the humans themselves dropped it on buenos aires to blame on the bugs in a false flag operation but man way to ruin the plot of starship troopers number four jack good of course i haven't actually (laughs) seen it so i don't know if i'm actually spoiling anything i haven't seen any of the sequels because i don't want to you don't need to see number two that's what i've been told but telling me not to watch a movie just makes me kind of want to watch it it's either number four or number five that we get the um buenos aires was an inside job we get the Clendathu truthers. Mm. But so what so I have to ask you, what is your favorite scene in this movie? Oh man, there's so many to choose from. Um when I was a kid I really liked the co ed shower scene. I'm not really sure why. Um I mean, yeah, what? that's a that's a future I want to live in personally because well like it's it's not even an issue right they're just so normalized with nudity and i think it was steiner the other day we were talking in chat with because paul verhoven that was one of the things am i saying that right paul verhoven whatever yeah. paul yeah is what is the one thing director paul was insistent on is the nudity because he grew up in western germany where that kind of thing was normalized. He, like, uh, he grew up took... in the Netherlands, which is something we'll get around to it later. But yeah, he, well, he grew up in the Netherlands. Well, yeah, some such socially liberal European country where they would just like shower together and not think anything of it. And he just wanted that in the future, which I support. <laughs> you never I took rem- a shower with me when we were roommates, but it's fine. I forgive you. I... I'm a solo shower practitioner. I'm sorry. Loser. 
How are you supposed to get the hard to reach places on your back? I could do that for you, man. You know what else can do that? A loofah on a stick. Oh, <laughs> a loofah on a stick. It doesn't have the attention to detail. You don't scrub as hard as I do. You don't know that. You never invited me to a shower. <laughs> okay, well, next Moving time on. Come, next time you come out here and visit, we can put your theory to the test. I'd love to. Anyway, yeah, the shower scene's great. Um, I was I was reading about that, and apparently Paul Verhoeven in, you know, there's some hesitancy amongst the the actors for doing this scene, and so uh, I don't know if Paul Verhoeven himself, but I think he did. But there's a couple of like there's like a producer and a couple of other people involved in the shooting of that scene who also got like behind the scenes got completely naked to like quote unquote make the actors feel more comfortable and my only thought is i would feel even a hundred times more awkward if paul verhoeven just got fucking naked in front of me i want paul verhoeven to be naked in front of me i don't (laughs) you're weird though I'm not weird. It's like, have you ever been to a Planet Fitness at like seven in the morning? Like, that's what it would be is just some saggy old man skin everywhere. Are you seriously asking me if I've ever been to a gym before when you and I know the answer to that? No, that's fair. Yeah, that's what I thought. But <laughs> Well, if you ever do go to a gym, there's a whole lot of old wrinkly naked men there. But yes, I have been to the Y locker rooms, and man, they are everywhere. Which, you know, good for them. Yeah. Well, I think, I just think we should, we could resolve a lot of conflicts in the world today if we were more comfortable with sexuality and nudity. Like, na- okay, name one conflict that couldn't be resolved through sex. See, you can't do it. T- t- domestic violence. Shut up, that's not what I meant. I'm talking about global conflicts. Global conflicts that couldn't be solved by sex. You see, this mm. one... What I'm, I promise you this relates to the movie, but go ahead and think about one. I'm, I'm trying to think of one, actually. Exactly. You continue with your thoughts. Yeah, see, like, the whole build-up to World War I was called a powder keg. And an explosion was inevitable, yes. But that explosion could have gone one of two ways. Horrific violence or a Europe-wide orgy. See? <laughs> and it would have been resolved, I think. And with Blame it on the French. French. They weren't chipping in. Oh, they... Oh, my God. Um, yeah, but anyway, what my point is, is Paul Verhoeven knows this. And in his vision of the future, there's kind of a bit more open attitudes about sex, albeit a bit restricted on the reproductive side, more on that later. And obviously they're more loose with uh, nudity. See, like they're more comfortable with it with each other. Hence the co-ed showers in the military. My point is they've eliminated all human contact or conflict through this. And that is why the alien is an enemy in this because it has no, uh, what uh, humanness to its sexual nature like sex to them is purely reproductive 
And, you know, they don't have clothes anyway. They're fucking bugs. They're always naked, so... So you're saying that we were at war with the bugs because we couldn't go to Pound Town with them? Exactly. Well, we could, oh. but they'd probably kill us and eat us. But still, I, I, that, I'm not saying that's the whole reason. The big fucking rock dropped on Buenos Aires is a big reason in and of itself. <laughs> but I'm just saying that... Never mind future 9-11. Never mind yeah. future 9-11 a hundred or a thousand even. Yeah, there's like eight some million dead. Total Recall promised me people with three boobs and instead what we get is killer spiders. Wars. <laughs> yeah, just I'm I'm picturing Beavis and Butthead and the Imperial Guard on Clindath or all hell's going around. Uh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but man and the inch like which brings us to citizenship why a good chunk of them do it in the first place because as we all know the natural progression in the future is that military service is 110 percent optional however it's what it's oftentimes well it's the most easy way to get citizenship, if not the only way to get citizenship for some people and the privileges that grants. So it's so, very manipulative. So as far as like the concept goes, I get it. And like the science, like as far as it being a part of this world, that doesn't bug me. It's <laughs> bug it, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I get it. I get it as a part of, this is how this particular world and society works. The issue I have with it in respect to this movie is that time after time is like, we see all these people die these super gruesome deaths mm -hmm. and go through all these traumas for the promise of citizenship. But we never once see what, like the film never actually demonstrates to us the, the payoff of citizenship all all we see is the we we get the carrot and no stick right like <laughs> we're, we're dangling citizenship in front of you and we're going to get all these kids to sign up for you know our quote-unquote not nazi government that definitely is a nazi government um <laughs> and they're going to suffer these horrific injuries and horrific deaths all for the the privilege of becoming citizens and our counter to that is we see rico's parents who are super rich and wealthy and they're like we'll send you on a vacation if you give up on this citizenship thing yeah. and it's it's like so wait i if we're putting it in today's terms it's like i'm going to lose an arm for the ability to vote for whatever terrible politician is available. Like, you know, cause we haven't had yeah, like, I... like, it's like, Oh boy, I gave an arm to vote between Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Like that's a shitty deal in comparison to mom and dad offering me a trip to Cancun, you know? What I assume it is, is like the, uh, the opportunity to vote however the government predetermines who the candidates are court kind of like the 
voluntary service with a huge fucking asterisk. Well, that's the other thing we see in this movie is that uh, the Federation is very much like a very big uh, meritocracy. Mm -hmm. So much so that Rico goes from being a private to a sergeant in the course of three hours. So that might also because everyone keeps dying around him. (laughs) Do it, Rico. I'm not doing this for a promotion. (laughs) Can we talk about that? These are petty things. I know, but just there's so many things that kind of make you scratch your head in this movie which is like how does him being a football star translate to him being like the superb warrior like he he dominates capture the flag in basic training and then he takes out the big like tanker bug flamethrower bug thing and afterwards he goes up to michael ironside and he's like good job rico where'd you learn to do that And he's like don't you remember I was captain of the team. And it's like, how in the fuck does that translate? Like, But you you do remember the football scene, right? That was both incredibly violent, but they were also like doing flips and shit over each other like it was nothing. (laughs) So that can only, I can only assume they're like genetically enhanced or something. That was the other thing, you know, going into this, um, the whole Paul Verhoeven thing. Um, part of his goals in casting this was he very much wanted to do the like Aryan ideal when casting because so Paul Verhoeven's primary goal in this movie, when he adapted the screen, adapted the book into this movie was he wanted to take this story and legitimately wanted to say, look how ridiculous people are in this system like this is a bad system fascism is bad i want you to understand like this is what a completely fascist world looks like and it is completely stupid (laughs) but but if fascism is wrong then why do they look so cool (laughs) they are very they got some snappy uniforms but but yeah so that's why we get a lot of the casting choices we do is because he's like i'm pulling the 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 Aryan cookbook if you will of (laughs) casting choices because believe it or not there were two other actors considered for the role of rico first one was our beloved matt damon yeah (laughs) matt damon oh god who the fuck was the other person time out I'm going to also as an aside um john rico is like latino in the movie i think he's supposed to be filipino or Puerto no Rican? he's no, no no hear me out he's actually juan rico in the novels and he's filipino oh my god but in the, the... movies he's john rico oh yeah he's he's juan rico yeah in the novel Mark... yeah juan rico Mark Wahlberg was the other consideration for this. Marky Mark. I mean, hmm, that would have been a choice. It definitely would have. I'm from Boston and I say kill them all. (laughs) 
I, uh, so here's the thing. I do enjoy Mark Wahlberg. I think he has done well in a lot of various roles. I definitely think he would have been the wrong choice for this film though. Absolutely. I'm glad they went with the choice that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, but my God, there's some beautiful, beautiful actors in this film. Like Rico. I mean, even, even Busey looks great in this film. You know, it's the okay. The Let me mark that down as the first time anyone's ever said that. But continue. He's got a strong jawline, Jack. It is impressive. See, ninety percent of the time I hear that it's from girls commenting on a guy's jawline, like, "Oh, look at his jawline." That's so weird to me. Like, do they just hyper focus on like the most random features of a guy? I have no idea because. Like Miranda, her most common like compliment to me is that she thinks I have like very good forearms, and I'm like, I like you do you that like that's if you if you think that's good looking or if that's what like rustles your jimmy like all the power to you. I just I I can't say me as a guy has ever looked at a female and be like, man, look at those ankles. Like, no, <laughs> like this isn't the 1700s. I almost kind of want to take a girl off guard one of these days and compliment her jawline just to see how she'd take it. It's either going to go really well or really bad. You have a nice forehead. Oh, Jesus. Don't say <laughs> oh, it like that. I was in a reader's theater play last night, actually. And I played a real. Uh, who am I he was the good guy. Um, one of his lines was even outright. Um, this just proves my point. Children should be kept from the fire and women should be kept from science. So yeah, it was a real peach. Um, and the overarching plot, spoiler alert, was I was trying to woo and seduce the serving girl of this dude that I'm studying under because she had a hunched back and I wanted to study it more thoroughly by getting her naked your character wanted to date the hunchback of notre dame the scottish hunchback of notre dame yes and just to study her what what pray tell is the name of this play because it just seems stupid and ridiculous i'm glad you asked it's an experiment on a bird with an or an experiment with an air pump and it's named after a painting called Experiment on a Bird with an Air Pump. Um, okay then. It's about science. Science but, rules. But yeah, things go to shit and uh, events occur. Um, this two settings. Because mm. all of this play takes place in one room. However... One part takes place in 1799 and the other takes place in 1999. Hmm. It's, it's, it's something. Uh, yeah, but God damn it. Where was I going with this? So yeah, no Starship idea. Troopers. Um, <laughs> as an aside, I was going to mention this along with the snappily dressed fascists, but um, the fan nickname for uh Neil Patrick Harris's character in this is Doogie Hauser SS. <laughs> well, he does come in dressed exactly like a Gestapo <laughs> he does. officer. He I does. I will say the interesting thing with 
Doogie Hauser um, psychic extraordinaire, which also, can we talk about the fact that being a psychic is a thing in this universe and it's kind of just mentioned offhand. We get one scene where we see that Carl has this ability. He gets a job because of it. And then it's never a prevalent thing ever again throughout the rest of this film. Oh, other than him saying it's scared. Oh, really? The but like the creature that is tied up and surrounded by people is scared. I could have never divined that without your psychic abilities, Neil Patrick Harris. There was another part um, when they were going to save what's her face, Carmen. I think it was Dizzy. No, it wasn't Dizzy. Dizzy was already dead at this point. It was his ex girlfriend that was in the Navy. But oh yeah, I I I get their character names flipped around um, all the time. So, but yeah, like their ship goes down in that cave. And they're taken hostage by the bugs and him and his platoon are going to save them. And they're about to go down one route and he like stops and says, let's go down this one instead. And the dude's like, well, what the fuck do you mean? And he's like, the mission's this way. And he said, yeah, but Carmen's this way. I say we go down this road and then they go down and lo and behold, find Carmen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they you know, big save the day. Um, Mr. Krabs captures the brain bug off screen which i would have liked to see personally but it doesn't matter um and then i love how like, uh i love how rico and uh carmen get back together after she dumped him because her boyfriend had his brain sucked out by the brain bug and yeah, uh rico's girl rico's girlfriend uh died after getting impaled by a different bug yeah because nothing says stable relationships like tragedy yep Needs must, the devil drives, my friend. But um, what I was gonna going with this, like after that little scene of showing the brain bug captured, he like goes to Doogie Hauser SS, and he was like, "It was you that guided me to Carmen, right?" And then he plays coy. He's like, "I don't know what you're talking about," and like I think he even winks at him. Hmm. I must so, have missed out on that little part. It's a very brief part. There's but, there's so many little things that you can miss in this movie it's it's actually kind of shocking Mm -hmm. this movie truly is the gift that keeps on giving like i love that they're in the future and uh carmen sends rico a literal dear john letter a dear john video (laughs) yeah well yeah because they do like video emails or whatever because they don't have (laughs) the ability to to facetime yet because apparently that's not a thing in the future but they can send each other like e-messages on what I can only describe yeah. on like floppy disks. So I'm like, I'm glad in the 23rd century, we're still using floppy disks. Like that, that was one of the things that I loved about this is like, this is, this is something that points to this as a nineties movie. And mm-hmm. 50 years from now, there's going to be some kid who watches it, who is like, you know, they're going to be like the hipster kid, like, you know, did you have a kid in your high school who was like, I'm into the old school monster flicks from like the 40s and 50s? You, you like that kind of nerd? Anyways, there there's going to be some hipster nerd 50 years from now who's going to be looking at Starship Troopers as like an oldie classic film. And he is not going to think one bit about the fact that this video message is a fucking floppy disk. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's that's why I love 90s sci-fi because you have robots that look human, interstellar travel, but then everyone uses a payphone. <laughs> right. Like nobody has a cell phone yet. Nope. And did you notice that the Interstellar Communication Service is brought to you by AT&T? No, I didn't. That's like the most believable part of this movie. Is that why it's so shitty? Yep. But, uh... I love the... So, you know, going back to Paul Verhoeven, you know, obviously trying to more or less make this a parody. Mm-hmm. I there's so many different things that we see this parody that I didn't appreciate as a kid watching it that watching it this time around I'm like huh like there's the scene where after Rico is is found to have been guilty of resulting in the death of his squad mate during training he gets sentenced to the to get 10 lashes and in the scene it is like almost like an exact like scene for scene replica of roots except this time we have you know the perfect chiseled jawline blonde hair white guy getting whipped by uh like the black sergeant and mm-hmm. i'm like huh that was a tricky tricky trick there you did was... there paul verhoeven good for you like yeah, nice reversal. Man. I'm go- We're so going to get canceled. I was ma- I was um making a reference to r- Roots. My name is Toby. Your name is Kunta Kinte. <laughs> you know that, that scene in Roots where he's like, my name is Kunta Kinte, defiantly. And then the uh, plantation owner's like, your name is Toby. Ugh whip yeah that or uh god what was another good parody oh can we talk about the fact that everybody like like i mentioned there's so many violent violent injuries in this movie and violent deaths and rico experiences it but why is he the he so everybody else gets like bionic arms or gets stuck in a wheelchair and all this shit. But Rico gets declared dead. They just throw him into like the Star Wars back to tank and they 3D print him a new leg. And he's perfectly fine because, you know, he's the main character. Everybody else, they can go fuck off. But Rico, we can't have him looking ugly. I guess they drew straws for the good treatment. Because, like you said, we see all these fucked up and torn apart soldiers just laying around everywhere. <laughs> and then he has the goddamn lap of luxury. Oh, oh Jesus, just hiccup there. But, um... Well, it pays to be the main character, is all and I'm saying. That, in this, in this really, universe. I really don't think he died, died. I think it was just a mis- uh, listing mistake on the part of the military, because they do that. And it... The only point that was made in the plot is to drive up the tension like, oh, shit, the main character died, even though you, me and everyone else and their dog knew that he didn't. And the movie is just using that cheap suspense builder. Uh, and yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he gets like stabbed through his shoulder and his leg, right? 
or is it just the leg i think it was just his leg you're right just the leg and then he got thrown in the back to tank and they got it sewn shut and his friends joke about him being dead hey dunk 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 you're dead and then dizzy kisses the tank to drive up the sexual tension and then just like bounds away i love how rico is so completely like inept at like social relationships with with women because like i get he has his crush or his thing for carmen but also like like dizzy is not an unattractive no. female and she like she is so obviously like falling all over him it's like how do you not see this or how do you it's like why do you paw at the at the at the thing that you can't have or the you know the thing that's not going to happen when you have equally as good of a uh you know relationship just waiting to fall into your lap yeah but hmm. not to mention you guys were teammates you get each other you played football yeah like the teammate and you're like on the same squad together you have similar interests compared to Little Miss long distance and your little comfy little fleet position away from the action. Like you and Dizzy are in the shit together. And that's that's a bonding experience if ever I heard one. I mean, sure, one of you might get tragically torn apart and leave the other destitute, but still, it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah, probably. No, Something no like that, that. doesn't that doesn't really feel right ascribing it to relate relationships but whatever would you say that fleet does the flying and mi does the dying yes i would say that actually <laughs> my god i forgot about that and i still walked right into it i will say their uh the tattoos they got was pretty dope the the death from above tattoos oh yeah it's <laughs> the laser tattoos i'd totally get one with you Oh, I absolutely would get a laser tattoo. Did you see how quick that happened? Like, yeah, it looked like it hurt probably way more than your standard <laughs> tattoo, but. And then that jackass pours whiskey right on a fresh tattoo. <laughs> uh... Yeah, like a quick one and done laser tattoo. I really do believe that's the future of tattoos. Tuck, stop. Talks. I mean, like on a certain level, fundamentally, we've been on like the standard push needle that's been dipped in ink into skin and then do it over again. We've been on that stage for centuries. I think it's time to innovate, you know, let's move on to lasers. We're in the 21st damn century. Right. And my main host has stepped away for a second, so it's just going to be me. Um. I'm yeah, this, back. This is my a good movie. All right, he's back. My, my dog decided that now would be a great time to have dinner, despite me feeding her two hours ago. Mm, greedy, greedy little dog. So, did you did you see how this film was uh, received? Oh, we're, are are we nearing that part of the podcast? <laughs> oh, not yet. I, I like we're not to the reviewing part of it yet. I just. I, I thought it, it would, I thought it was it would make for good conversation because all of my lead wow. up to how much Paul Verhoeven was trying to make this a parody 
I love the fact that nobody in the 90s got it and they took him seriously. They're like, yep, he's pro fascist. It's like he lived no. in the Netherlands under Nazi Germany. I guarantee you he's not pro fascist. Like, yeah, this is very much an anti fascist movie, but nobody understood that at the time. They thought, wow, fascism, cool. Let's do that. Or we could also not do that. But. That's like, so Paul Verhoeven also did RoboCop. And that, it's like saying, oh, he made RoboCop. So he must be totally for a complete authoritarian police state. Like, no, he made RoboCop to purposely be a commentary on how we shouldn't have like a over-the-top police state. Yeah, police violence and that. It's just people are Man. so stupid. But then it's like people went back and like reevaluated it and re-reviewed it. And now it's like, uh, it's a cult classic basically, but I'm like, no, no, you, you got to stick to your original ratings. Cause fuck you. You don't get to go <laughs> back and be like, Oh, actually no. Like even myself as an eight year old dipshit knew that this wasn't supposed to, this was not meant to be a serious film. Like it, like eight year old me knew it was meant to be over the top. And if eight-year-old me can figure that out, professional movie reviewers, and so can you. Exactly. I fucking hate you, Tux. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, She's... service guarantees citizenship is being a good boy. She's been nothing but a pain in the ass good for girl. the last three hours. Uh, <laughs> I just see her back there. Ooh, old dog. Sit. Thanks for continuing to not listen to me. Okay, <laughs> I'll go fuck myself. I'm yeah. curious how much of this I'm actually going to be leaving in, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's... It's been one of those. So, now is the time for start uh the uh god damn it rotten tomatoes i think we should talk about the unlimited ammo and these guns yes that also really perturbed me but they averted that in the game where you actually have limited ammo and have to reload but that is that is nice but it's I find it interesting that we get this whole big training montage for this movie and it's like these are elite troops and then they get to the battlefield and it's literally they're just running in mass like huddles of people and they're all just like blindly firing and it's like where did the tactics go also yeah. how do these guns carry this much ammunition like like even by movie standards, this is this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of realism would have been nice. Well, considering none of this is real, I, I guess we can't. Bitch okay, too that's much. fair. This is our first sci-fi movie, which I'm proud to have selected. And it was. but the one thing I wanted to bring up was the goddamn nuclear grenade launchers. <laughs> like they actually did try something similar in real life where it was like a like one of the mini nukes from fallout 
and it was supposed oh yeah to be there was a the Davy Crockett, I think. Yeah, that came out in like the '60s, I think. I remember watching videos of it. But literally, the the crews would have to get like go through decontamination washes immediately after using it. But and the thing is, that's assuming they launched at the max distance, because even if you half-assed a shot like that, you'd still be burned by it. And they just right. couldn't get it to fire far enough, so that wouldn't be a deal, a big deal. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Siren Head to show up. You know, I was never quite familiar. Never quite familiar with that one. See, I never even, I've never played Fallout, but that's one that's always stuck with me is uh, Siren Head. Yeah, Siren Head's from Fallout. I thought that was like an SCP or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. In the comments below, people, let me know if I'm dumb. Don't let me know, because I already know the answer. Um, All I know is is watch, watching this film has, has really brought back a lot of memories for me. Oh, yes. Me I too. spent entirely too much time on Amazon today. <laughs> like, <laughs> Buying merchandise. Oh, you know who's going to have a mobile infantry flag in his garage in two days? You. Yeah, fucking me. <laughs> I also uh, have a Johnny Rico Funko coming. For our fans, I I have I have quite a substantial Funko Pop collection. Maybe someday I'll I'll share on the Instagrams my my Funko wall. But he is he's making it. It was a hard choice. I I either was going to choose between Johnny Rico or they also had Lieutenant Razcheck. And I'm like, I think I got to go with the more noticeable character for the wall. That you do. That you do. Although and... they do, they do, Amazon does have the mobile infantry death from above tattoos as like the, the like washable, uh, temporary tattoos yeah. that you can order. I, I'm really tempted to get one of those just for the kicks of it. When I first started playing the 40k war game, I, the faction I played was Imperial Guard, and I deliberately had my friend paint the, my miniatures exactly like the, well, not exactly like, but it's very similar to the, the to the titular Starship Troopers of this movie. <laughs> It turned out really good. I've never gotten into 40k myself. That seems like a a rabbit hole that would probably cost me a lot of money. It's fun to just like read the lore of that universe and just how awful it is. I've watched a lot of lore videos on YouTube about 40k and I'm like, this is legitimately interesting. But So, I think we should do... uh, I think it's about that time to do reviews and uh i wanted to run this by you but i think we should do it slightly different this week oh yeah i think we should come up with our custom rating rate the film and then see whether or not or see how our rating stacks against what the thermometer has because i think the last couple times we've done the thermometer we usually 
keep it roughly close to whatever they had or i i think knowing the thermometer score ahead of time influences us so i want us to come up with our own score and then see where where it compares to, to the thermometer what do you think all right let's do it you first what do you what do you think the uh the custom rating should be I want to say nuclear grenades, but hmm, not oh dead bugs, dead bugs, yeah, because kill them all, like full size bugs or the little cockroaches that the children are taught to stomp on. You know damn well what I'm talking about. Well, I'm doing my part. We could also do the cockroaches. Yeah, let's do cockroaches. Fine. <laughs> Scale of one to ten cockroaches. I nine out of ten cockroaches for me. I give this eight cockroaches and like three legs of the ninth cockroach. Very specific. Anyway, let's see how Rotten Tomatoes did. And this is the first time on this show. But do you want to guess what the ratings are? Uh, critic rating is a 57 and audience is 92. Get this. They are exactly the same at 70%. Mm. And, hmm, you know, I got to go with tradition and say I disagree with the critics and agree with the audience on this one. It's this fucking same thing. I have to. It's tradition. I think when, 70, when is, we... 70 is too low. I get it. I get it. This is kind of a cheesy film, but also yeah. it was meant to be. It was meant. This film was meant to be ridiculous. It was meant to be over the top. The point mm-hmm. of it was to show you how ridiculous and stupid fascism is. And that is what it accomplished absolutely not to mention like i said the the cgi in this was ahead of its time when it was released and it still holds up very well i mean and as far as a film goes considering that this film was brought to us by the same person who produced robocop and showgirls i think this was (laughs) a stellar film yeah he really stepped out of his mold with this one it's it's a shame that it was kind of a uh, a flop at the box office, but also it's understandable because the year this came out was also Titanic, Men in Black. It, it was it was a stacked stacked year for films, and I'm not surprised that this one kind of you know fell to the wayside. Underperform, yeah. The the deck was really stacked against this movie um, in terms of box office earnings. But it is it is what it is. But I 100% recommend going and watching this film. And this is, you know, last week I described A Bridge Too Far as the film that you make yourself a nice dinner and you sit down and you devote yourself some time to it. This is I think of this as the film that you put on, you know, it's like you described it. If it's on TV, you just stop and you watch it. Yeah. I 
I'm of the opinion that this is a great film that you get some buddies together and, you know, grab a six pack or something. And then, uh, more or less just like heckle watch it. Not because it's a bad movie, just because there's so many funny things in it. It could almost be a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't know if we... it, I don't know if it's bad enough for a heckle movie, but it's like a group thing, yeah. Yeah, It. this is definitely better in a group setting to watch together just because of how fun it is. Have you seen those uh, videos on YouTube of people who do uh, like heckle watch parties for Twilight? Those are actually some of my favorite movie videos on YouTube. I recently watched a heckle watching of the uh, Transformers series by a YouTuber I watch. And I'd like to remind you that the third movie of that franchise ends with Megatron saving Optimus Prime and then Optimus Prime literally ripping his head off God of War style. And then while the the bad guy of the film, an old man, mind you, an old man is unarmed and injured and on the ground and begging for mercy, he puts a shotgun to his head and shoots him. Jesus. And then the movie ends as if it's some heroic thing he just did and not a war crime. Which It's not, not a war when, crime the first time. Which, okay, yeah, but when have the Transformers ever given a shit about war crimes? Come on. Cybertron literally died in a puddle of its own blood. I know I'm going to upset some people, but honestly, I I see no difference between the Autobots and the Decepticons. A lot of authors who have touched the comic books, because it's not just one continuous timeline, it's multiple different universes, but a lot of them kind of touch on this. And a, somebody wrote like, I shit you not, a hundred page college essay about why Megatron is the good guy. A college not, essay? That's a dissertation. Whatever, a dissertation on why Megatron is the good guy, albeit a bit rough around the edges, and how Optimus Prime, while noble in intentions, is the villain. Well, that's like, I wrote a, a college paper once about why Batman is actually not a hero. Yeah, a lot of people have made that point. See, I'm poor, so when I go out and dress up as a bat and beat people up, it's a felony. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, but I didn't use guns and I didn't kill people. No, you just committed and, assault. And some of them might have deserved it, so therefore I'm... I am the bat dad. Bat dad. I, I do like that meme of like the action figures all twisted up or the contortionists all twisted and it's like batman now talk <laughs> i love the the batman sketch uh with pete holmes where he pulls like a birthday party clown into an interrogation cell and he starts beating it up it's like where is she it's like i don't know i had some cooking sherry <laughs> <laughs> but we got way off topic um a common misconception about this film that i'd like to address military service isn't the only avenue of getting citizenship 
it is the quickest way to get citizenship and the only surefire way to get it. But there's also other routes you can take to get it. Just federal service in general, that that could be like a pencil pusher for 10 or 20 years. Could be, I don't know, whatever their equivalent of the CIA is. Military intelligence is one of the paths you can go down. Shit, you can be a cabin boy on like the fleet and I'm pretty sure you'd get citizenship. It's notable because in the books, it's stated that I don't remember what their equivalent of the merchant marines is, but service as a merchant marine does not guarantee you citizenship. But I get, I think like asteroid mining is another common way they get citizenship. I don't know why that merchant marines are excluded, but uh, asteroid busy delivering are... beer to their buddies in Vietnam. Yes, yeah, space Vietnam. Dear near, dear near. I don't know what the future equivalent of Fortunate Son is. <laughs> probably some postmodernist synthwave pop music. That's too probably far. Like the, like the Imperial March or something. <laughs> uh, but I think it's about that time, personally. But what do you think? I gotta know, what do you think your job in the Federation would be? Coffin jockey. I'd probably die within five minutes of touching down on some godforsaken desert planet. That's fair. I would like but, to... Um, I think I would be a medic, but that seems like the worst job in this, oh, entire, yeah, this entire universe, because they have to be the busiest motherfuckers That would be way too much pressure. They're literally yelling, medic, like every ten minutes. My God, um, I'd probably. I mean, Why did you we... throw a knife at his hand? I Who mean, the fuck took his helmet off? What about being just a random naval person? Like they can't have that high of a death rate, right? I say I as I inevitably those... get shot down, but a lot of those spaceships got blown the fuck up. I mean, yes, but eh. Hold on, I, there, I actually have a list, of, somewhat of a list of services. Um, mobile infantry, as we saw in the film, military intelligence, Marine Corps, Medical Corps, Neo-Dog Corps, a sub-branch of the mobile infantry unit. These genetically enhanced dogs, along with their handler, were used in recon missions early in the first bug war. Okay, so if you like dogs... The first one. Oh, spoilers for the other ones. <sighs> Casualties millions. Well, if you do recall, at the end of uh, this movie, they were literally having children fill in the ranks. Oh, yeah, there's, there's that quick scene of him addressing the soldiers and their actual children. I'll kill I you myself. I, okay. Yeah, I guess he... Guess he really wanted that citizenship, huh? Yeah, no other reason at all. Yeah, <laughs> he just wanted money for candy, and then he's serving on the front lines. I like candy. Hey kids, yeah, would you I like do. some candy? <laughs> yeah, wow. Instead of some creepy dude trying to abduct a children, like they're they're just inducting them into the military for candy. 
But yeah, like imagine being a one-eyed double amputee 14-year-old, but you have citizenship. And they're like, oh, thank oh, God cool, for you... the right to vote. Yeah, cool. You have citizenship. And then the kid responds, yeah, it only cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah. Yeah, see what I was see what I did there was hilarious. But yeah, the first three like three three of the four citizens we meet early on in the movie are just fucked up. We have one that has missing his arm, one that's blind, one that's missing a hand and both his legs. Mobile infantry made me the man I am today. That's not real. Yeah, you, mm, you need to work on your pitch there, boss. I mean, you you, you think there's a stipend or uh what what, oh, what what's the word? Like a uh, where they there's some sort of social you, security type deal they basically give you fuck off money after you get fired um unemployment no there's a fancy word disability no well okay maybe it offers disability too but ah, god this is bothering me it's like a pay you consistently get by the either by the government or the business you work for for the rest of your life it's like a monthly thing or something restitution I don't know. I think it starts with either a P or an S. I I don't know. I'm out of I'm out of word ideas. Yeah, but I'll think of it later and feel really dumb. That's fair. You are pretty dumb. I like to think there's at least some pay to doing this, right? Oh yeah. There's no there's no way that citizenship is the only reward. And it's worth noting that citizenship, it's a its a two-way street. It doesn't guarantee you have a good and easy life, but you, and you can also, as we see, as we see with Rico's parents, you can live the good life as a civilian. Yeah, like they, they live a good life and they never did service because they're living a good life. Yeah, what, what, no what for? Yeah, yeah. Vote for who? The two fascist candidates? Scary Marshall. I love that's what they call the president, Sky Marshall. <laughs> yeah, the Sky Marshall. But I think it's uh, about that time to wrap up, don't you? Yep. So for next week, I am happy to announce. Hold on a second. Am I looking at the right fucking schedule? Yeah. Okay. So next week, uh, this week was supposed to be my turn to choose the movie. However, we have a special guest joining us next week who has made a request for the film. So I'm putting my selection on hold. Uh, next week, I'm happy to announce we will be joined by another John. This time it's John with an H. And he Ew. is from the Tattooed Historian channel on the YouTubes and Instagrams and all uh, Twitch and all the all the fun stuff. Um, he's got a pretty good podcast himself. Uh, so I know he's expressed some excitement being on our show because uh, he finally gets to be on the other side of things and not thinking up questions and whatnot. So... Um, we'll be having him join us. Uh, he's very big into two different areas of history, which is the civil war and world war one. 
so for next week uh he has requested that we review the film gettysburg you mean like the town in south dakota no (laughs) i yeah i'm sure have you been to gettysburg south dakota i i have not is that out in like the black hills no it's kind of thinking like an hour or two outside of pier i go there on business sometimes because there's some accounts open over there but the motto of the city is gettysburg south dakota where the battle wasn't <laughs> yeah I, I, th- I think that's cute so gettysburg the film as in gettysburg pennsylvania <laughs> is a 1993 film directed by Ron Maxwell and stars Martin Sheen, Stephen Lang, Jeff Daniels, Sam Elliott, and about three dozen other people. It is a another star-studded film, uh, and it covers the infamous battle of the American Civil War. Um, it is a ridiculously long movie. It's like four hours long. Uh, for the sake of our, our viewers and for our own sanity, we will be doing the theatrical release because the director's cut is almost five hours long. And I don't have the patience to watch a five hour long movie at this point in my life. So theatrical release for, for something hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. It's an investment. It is. I'm, I'm probably going to have to do this in like, two or three sittings i am gonna sit down and watch it all in one sitting this week i know might actually stream it i know our guest is going to go into it a little bit but uh he actually was offered to have a role or participate in this film or is either this film or gods and generals but he has strong opinions about the uh about these films so i'm very excited about it interesting interesting guy so so yeah i can't wait for that that's gonna be exciting it should be so jack do you have anything before we uh finish up i do not other than service guarantees citizenship so do your part for the federation today would you like to know more of course no no you don't <laughs> we're, we're done this is where you exit out and we we go to your favorite shower scene hell yeah <laughs> okay i can't man it's going to be such a stark turn going from campy this... sci-fi to to gettysburg <laughs> Gettysburg, yeah. Our first Civil War movie. It is. It is our first Civil War movie. That's very exciting. And the fact that we have somebody who actually knows shit about the Civil War joining us is uh, <laughs> very helpful. I thought you were about to say, and we and our guest is someone who was at the actual Battle of Gettysburg, and I was about to be very, very impressed. Yeah, I got... Je- I got... Uh... uh joshua chamberlain's ghost to join us <laughs> awesome you Finish shall it. be sued spirit 
be interesting to hear him weigh in on it. I have his I have his uh autobiography here somewhere. I I haven't gone around to reading it, but it's it's somewhere on the bookshelf. Uh it's in my I have a the the number of books that I have in my still needs to be read pile is just kind of ridiculous and I don't know how I'm I don't think I'm ever going to catch up with it because I have a serious issue with I I almost enjoy going and buying books more than I do actually reading them like I do enjoy reading books but like going to Barnes and Noble who is not a sponsor of the show but could be (laughs) um is very fun for me Um, oh yeah so I, I love going to Barnes and Noble, which is a shame because I can't read any of the books. Not even the Braille ones? Nope. Hmm. Well, it's a good <laughs> thing they have those like volunteers that do the children's stories on weekends. <laughs> yeah, but they get weirded out when a 27-year-old is among the t- kids. Especially when you start cracking open your Bud Light next to the kid with the juice <laughs> box. <laughs> Uh, Go yeah. on now, teacher lady. Tell me more about the Polar Express. <laughs> what do you mean that mouse still wanted a cookie? <laughs> this, this book is about page, socialism. Page after page, just one thing after thing. He needs to be grateful for whatever he has. God damn it! Yeah, where's the cat? <laughs> <laughs> they made sequels to that book. Did you know that? Oh, Christ. Is he still a demanding little bitch? Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, God. That friggin' rat. On that note, I've been John. (laughs) And I'm Sergeant Jack. And we'll catch you next time. Bye!